Doesn't seem to be working. Ah, hello. <clears throat> Let me see. Is this working? Ah, oh, perfect. Okay, good. Yes. This is a new platform on Facebook. I'm just completely confused, and I don't know if it's working. I just, I don't even see if there's people on or anything like that. I don't see comments or just... Um, this is like the first time I'm seeing this version of um, Facebook Live. Everything on the platform has changed, and I wanted to jump on uh, and give this, send off this transmission to you. Let me know first of all. Uh, sounds good? Okay, good, Dylan. All right, so it's a new format. I'm getting used to it, but this is such an important conversation. <clears throat> I want to talk about. Uh, anti-racism for you if especially if you're white uh, because holy shit well first of all I haven't been on here for a couple days I haven't if you haven't noticed um, I haven't been wanting to do any transmissions because I didn't want to feel like talking about this racism issue I didn't want to feel like I'm 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 doing this just to say something just to you know just so I can uh, throw around uh, what's the word what's the what's that new word that we were talking about the virtue yeah yeah, yeah. I didn't want to I didn't want to come on here and be virtue signaling like oh it's so wrong racism is wrong and uh, I, I, I didn't want to I didn't want to come off inauthentically so I took a few days and haven't made any transmissions I haven't come come live at all in case you haven't noticed um, because I wanted to go inside and see how I felt about this and this whole concept and I wanted to see how I could contribute to the conversation because I didn't want to just be another one of those people uh, I had somebody actually call me out she messages me on social media and makes a comment on my video and says why aren't you talking about the Black Lives Matter movement <clears throat> why aren't you why aren't you uh, in support of that? I would expect you as a leader to do that. And she was basically calling me out. And I felt kind of put into a corner like, you better say something that's of value uh, in support of Black Lives Matter. And I was just like, whoa. And I had I ne never felt that way before. I was like, somebody's calling me out for like, be, like being a racist? What? Like... I went there. It was really weird for me. Let me know if you are feeling that right now. <clears throat> if you're feeling confused. If you're feeling like you don't want to say the wrong thing. You want you you have an opinion, but you're afraid that you're going to say something and it's the wrong thing. It's going to hurt someone's feelings and then you're going to come out sounding like a complete racist. I get it. So, I did a post um I I basically went inside to see how I felt and I did a post earlier uh, just yesterday and I just said look this is a safe place in this community to talk about it tell me how you're feeling what's going on and like what are you feeling about this whole situation uh, this is a safe place where your feelings are totally valid and so we had the gamut um, I'm just listening to there was a gentleman who's white that I'm working with and he honestly was like look you know aren't we 
supposed to just be over, like in this in this process that you're teaching us Nima he's a client shouldn't we be kind of like working to get over our victim mentality isn't it riding demonstrating screaming playing victim and uh, he genuinely wanted to know because it was a he's learning these concepts and this is all new and and uh, it made me really think of, of if he and he spoke to somebody outside and shared those views and he was called a racist for it right and he had to sit back and go wait a second I'm not racist I'm like I have friends who are this color and that color and this color and when you hear when you hear just from a person of color when you hear a white person say I'm not racist I have all of these friends from different races it sounds like you're defending yours it sounds like you're it feels like you're justifying right and so try to avoid put it here's here's what you do I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you from my perspective because I care about you you're in this community helpful ways that you can uh, process everything that's going on so that you can come with an open heart of empathy and really whole and complete with this because I know there's a lot of confusion let me know if you can resonate with that like don't be shy let me know in the comment section if that's true for you uh, and, and I want to help you and I'm gonna give you two major examples that's gonna help you navigate through this time especially if you're white um, through this whole conversation of racism and I want to you know talk to people who are black as well even though I can't I'm not coming at it from a perspective of well here's as a black person I know exactly what it feels like to be no I'm not saying I'm talking from a neurological perspective I'm talking about a nervous system regulation perspective from the perspective of neuroscience from the perspective of trauma because uh, really that's what this is about if we can just really step back and understand number one that um, so this is going to help you in, in, in this conversation. If we can just step back and recognize that every one of us go through trauma of some sort. Trauma comes with a capital T. Uh, physical violence, <clears throat> sexual abuse, um, you know, trauma with a capital T, you know, like injuries, uh, malnourishment, fuck, scarcity, small t is not feeling seen not having your reality validated we all are experiencing on this journey some sort of an obstacle <clears throat> it can't it can't happen any other way right I, show me someone who hasn't experienced that right we all have capital T small t now all of our experiences are different and it's important that we are all, to know that we're all on a on our own hero's journey to heal our wounds we are all responsible for our own journeys to heal those wounds we all are that's the truth I'm not your hero I don't I don't subscribe to heroes anymore I used to when I was looking for some hero outside of me until I finally found the right guides to expose the hero from within so that's what I do for people as well um, as soon as I got that, I, I knew that I was the one in charge and, and like 
I didn't have to be a victim of my past anymore. My oppressors from my past, because I had racism, bullying, uh, a father who was, you know, parents who couldn't see it or, or, or who are loving, amazing souls who just, you know, intergenerational Persian trauma. What's everyone going to think? You have to be a certain way. That kind of, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so adding all of that together, that was my experience, right? I've come through it and I used to be called a Paki. I used to be called sand nigger. I was physically uh, assaulted, uh, pushed into lockers, uh, not included in certain things because of the color of my skin. And that was incredibly painful at the time. So painful that it actually led me into this journey. I had anxiety as a teenager because I didn't really love myself. I actually changed my name from, uh, from Nima to Nick. I changed my name from Nima to Nick because Growing up as an Iranian in the 80s, all the images we saw on television was, you know, death to America, burning American flags. So I didn't really like who I was. I hated it so much, I changed my name to Nick. And so because of that self-loathing, because of how I felt about myself. So, okay, fair enough. I didn't like that feeling. So I started to read books take seminars, take courses, tapes, videos. How can I help heal my mind from all of the stuff that happened in my past? And it's led me into this journey of where I am today. And so I'm utterly grateful for that experience. But that's my work that I've done. That's my responsibility, my hero's journey. You have gone through something else. You might have gone through sexual abuse when I didn't. That's your hero's journey. And it's horrible it, it's horrible that you experienced it uh, I can sit here and say no one should ever have to experience it yet the reality is many people do in fact 25% of people uh, more than 25% way more like one in you know three one in six I don't even one in three half of the people I don't know the statistics a very large chunk of the population do and the trauma that our work is to see like trauma takes away so much takes our innocence takes takes our self-worth self-esteem and it also gives if we're willing to look in a different perspective now that's not for me to tell you to look at it from a different perspective in fact one of the challenges that I have as a coach is seeing people tell victim stories and I've helped not only gone through my own and gone to the other side, I've guided so, guided so many people past their victim stories that were it's genuine, not like, yeah, 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 I'm grateful that it happened. It's forgiven, which most people, they come to me, they're like, yeah, I forgave my dad. Yeah, I've done the work on it. And yeah, it was my dad and I've done the work and their physiology shows everything but truly uh, forgiving thank you for giving me that experience that's when you have true uh, true forgiveness the highest form of forgiveness is the authentic recognition that everything served you and there is nothing to forgive the highest form this is something that came to me in a dream the highest form of forgiveness is the authentic recognition that everything served you and there is nothing to forgive that's what's possible on the other side of our traumas it's possible it's 100% possible. It's actually the path of healing that I guide people through. 
when they thought that they forgave and they thought that they were over it, but they were their bodies were anything but. I've had Demartini students and say I've done all the work on uh, on my mother, but when I'm around my mother, I still clam up. Okay, so your body hasn't forgiven your mother. Okay, great. F fair enough. Most human beings haven't gotten there yet. I've created a methodology that helps people guide th guide them there, but not everyone is willing to walk that fucking path. So I've discovered. I've spoken to hundreds of people on the call, on calls, who reach out to me because their physiology isn't working, their relationships aren't working, they don't feel abundant, they don't have this high self-esteem, and they they're tired, they're so crippled by what other people think, and they don't realize that that's all trauma that they need to go back and fully integrate, fully like experience and heal. And we're like, all right, let's go. Here's the path. And then they freak the fuck out. I'm scared. I don't want to uh, invest. Whatever fears that you have of going there, what if it doesn't work? Oh my gosh, I have doubts. I, you're not going to make me talk to my dad, are you? He's a monster. No, I'm not talking to my dad, please. But I want healing, but I don't want to talk to my dad. And so whatever fucking stories that you have, are you have to get over that in order to do that. That shit, I told my, I told my, all of my um, community on the, on the call today when we were talking about this issue, I said, you guys are fucking heroes. You guys are actually such bad at like those of you who you know uh, who in this community that I have the pleasure to work with who've taken those steps and we're actually doing this together are heroes because they're saying my oppressors from my past are no longer going to define me. That takes a lot. That takes a lot to get to because there's a safety in the identity of that victimhood. So my journey in being a coach and a, and, a, and a kind of a guide is letting go when people are simply just not ready. That's been the toughest thing for me because I didn't accept it. I couldn't accept it before. I'm like, how do you not like, oh, and then now I realize the people whose arms I had to twist to kind of say, look, let's go in and let's do this. And they were like, oh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. Those people who weren't like, fuck Nima, I'm all in, let's do this. The people who aren't like that are always really difficult to work with. So I stopped, I stopped trying to convince people that it's important to go there. And now what's emerged is when I sense it that you're not ready, I'll get on a call, I'm like, no, you're not, you're not ready. I don't think that you'd be a good fit for this because this is hard work because this is like responsibility. This is you like looking at something and being open to having somebody else tell you a blind spot. Most of us are so goddamn narcissistic that we are we don't want to be told our blind spots and that's where the healing is. Oof, and it's painful. So, I don't do that anymore. So, the important thing is to, to that conversation of why, you know, if, you, if, if you're white and you're looking at it and you're like, why are they playing victim? Shouldn't we get over it? That's not for you to say. This is not for you to say. It's not your call to make somebody else look at, the, look at themselves and find their own power, find their own responsibility. That's not to say. So I have, I have a lot of empathy for those people now.
Okay, it's not easy. That's number one, point number one. Point number two is, it's important for us to not have a judgment or catch ourselves when we're judging how somebody else, you know, should be confronting their adversities. Okay? That's an adversity that's massive. And before you look, before you can look and see that their, pro, their um, before you can look and see that the way that they're handling their, their confrontation isn't the way you think is proper, it's wiser for you to empathize first and try to look and see if you've ever had to answer this question, watch this question. I wonder if my son will be next. Think about this. When I dropped into my body and I imagined what a black mother would feel, not being able to go to sleep at night because she wonders if her son is going to be next, because it could literally happen with anything. It happens with, uh, you know, you're shopping, you're, you get pulled over, whatever, depending on the interaction with that police officer, jogging, you can die, right? A white mother never really has to worry about that because of her son's race. That's a big deal. And if uh, the, the, the greatest gift that I can give you as a white individual to help you become more anti-racist is drop into this feeling. Drop into this feeling right here. Right here, just let it into your body and imagine this were true. What if my son or daughter were next? What if it was my son? Like, is my son next? If you can just drop into that feeling, now you have an inkling of what black mothers feel in America. And speak from that perspective, once you've tried that on, it changes the game in the conversation. Because the converse, and then here's the next thing, the conversation really shouldn't be about black lives matter. Oh no, all lives matter. Please understand this to help you with to become a little more anti-racist. Nobody is saying all lives don't matter. What we're basically saying is that in this moment, nobody's really worried about white lives. Nobody's, nobody has a question about white lives mattering. It's just they matter like it, it, it doesn't even need to be said. You don't even need to say white lives matter because they, they already do. But why is it that we have to have a hashtag that says black lives matter? The fact that we have to have one is the problem. So when you turn around and say all lives matter, it's like you're fucking pissing on someone else's experience. Please, white people. White people, please. Just get over this whole all lives matter. In other words, so it's like somebody, like the, the great um, analogy that I heard, it's like you just had your son die and you're talking at his eulogy 
delivering his eulogy and someone else grabs the microphone and says, yeah, but my son matters too. Nobody is saying your son doesn't matter. We're just identifying the life that was just taken away right here and now. And we have to say, look, it's sad that I have to have a hashtag that says Black Lives Matter. It's sad that it's 2020 and we have to have that conversation. If you want to move towards becoming more empathetic and education, educated on like anti-racism, it's important for you to get your into the body sensation of, in, of the enragement that we actually are having this conversation in 2020. And if you just feel that enragement a little bit and actually mean it, if you're not enraged about that, that's something that's very wise for you to look at. If you're not enraged that in 2020, we still are having this conversation, we're not talking about 1930s. We're not talking about 1950s. We're not talking about 1960s. We're not talking about the civil rights movement. We're talking about 20 fucking 20, where they have astronauts <laughs> being, you know, like rocket ships coming back to Earth, <laughs> cars driving themselves. We're in the future, baby. Great possibilities. And yet, we're still having to remind people and go, guys, black lives matter too. And then a bunch of white people go, wait, what about all the white? What about all the white lives? We matter too. And just like a narcissistic experience of gaslighting, it's like the perpetrator playing the victim. Boom. It's important for us to step outside and look and see what's going on from outside of your own perspective, from a place of empathy. The next question you got to ask is, why don't I have empathy? This is what I've observed when I've been talking to white people. And this is going to hit you hard if you're willing to admit it. I wonder if you're willing to admit this. Okay. Now, please understand, I'm on your side. Okay. I'm doing an anti-racism training for you because chances are, if you're in this group, you're white. Because my demographic, for some reason, is white women. <laughs> white women is my demographic. And, which is funny because when I got married uh, just a couple months ago, when I announced my, my, my wedding, I had the most number of unsubscribes <laughs> from my email list. I got my, my team messaged me, by the way, just some news we want you to know. When you announced your wedding, you had the most ever unsubscribes from your email list. Okay. So I have a lot of white women that uh, are in my demographic. Hey, for good reason. I mean, I married myself a white woman. So I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's interesting. And because of that, I want to teach you. Because if you're having this discomfort with this conversation, it's for good reason. I'll tell you why. The reason why your white empathy is so difficult for you. This is what we observed today on our, our, my, my, tra my group training with my community, is that you haven't owned up to the fact that you have guilt and shame about your racism. Let me say this again. I'm gonna say this and I just want you to pay attention to how uncomfortable this conversation is making you. Pay attention. 
the triggers are revealing your triggers are information I've been saying this from the beginning your triggers are information it's wise for you to look pay attention inside when I'm telling you this and I'm very curious for you to tell me how you feel and don't hesitate to, to, to share in the comments it's okay I know you're scared it's okay you're free to have all your feelings the truth of the matter is you were born into a racist matrix in your life especially if you're white if it wasn't your parents it was probably your grandparents and that's because of the matrix that they were born into if you're Chinese you have a matrix of racism as well if you're Indian you have racist racism casts it's different it's in class levels the darkness of your skin like in Persian Persian culture the more fair that your skin the higher up in the kind of status racism is like intergenerational across the board it's something we all are born into and we've experienced through conversations I know my um, I have family members that are definitely uh, uh, homophobic I have an aunt who's homophobic I love her to death and when she says her homophobic stuff I have two choices I can sit there I mean I can I can tell her it's wrong and I do <laughs> and I can understand that why she feels that way and it makes sense why she does right it's like we love and here's the truth of the truth of who you are in all likelihood and I want you to check into this check into this you love 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 black people when you watch them on the screen when you know over the past few weeks what have you been doing you just freaking loving the shit out of Michael Jordan you don't have a problem with him you watched the documentary you fell in love you loved him as great the problem is you love him out there on the screen but what happens when they walk in to your home or when they come into your office or uh, somebody of a person of color is driving a really nice car what are the thoughts that automatically come to your mind when we had this conversation with my community I had people this was very powerful admit to their racist behavior and thoughts that was a mind fuck okay we all got together and it was like yeah I made racist jokes um, somebody else said um, yeah when I see one one gentleman was like when I see a, a, a guy a black guy in a really nice car my thought immediately goes to did he steal it you know immediately and he's like what what the fuck where to go and so there was another one where uh, one of our clients when she was like five years old she had a best friend who was black didn't understand color and then she brought her black friend home and then her father was like no and then the sister and brother was like no and she got like harassed and beat up for bringing a black friend home and the next day she goes and takes a rock and throws it at her and splits her head open at the age of five so she's been holding on to this guilt and shame for that long and she admitted it and so it was very healing for everyone to just talk about their racial biases and so if you don't expose your racial biases and talk about them 
you know how we you know every race you have a, a stereotype for and you've joked about it if you can't bring up that because it's too shameful you're gonna stuff it down and start acting in very compensatory ways like oh, all lives matter okay all lives matter it's not just black it's all lives matter that behavior comes from unresolved shame or come on get over it get over it my get similarly exactly the same as when a parent sees their child suffering and the parent says come on don't cry stop crying stop crying because of their own guilt about their entanglement in the child's tears because they can't handle it they're gonna say stop crying and they're gonna suppress and repress not empathize the same thing happens to you when you have your racial biases untouched and unadmitted and unprocessed properly like most people because we all have racist po you know thoughts that go through our minds we all do why do we because we were born into a fucking system of it that didn't start with us naturally we're gonna have it so as we have it and we judge it and we think it's horrible and we haven't processed it we develop shame and the shame and the guilt is so hard to bear we start to push it down all the way down and not want to deal with it and then what happens is we see our black brothers and sisters suffering and our guilt and shame we can't handle it so we turn around and say all lives matter get over it stop playing victim why do I have to say something about it I don't want to say anything about it why, why do we well, why do we have to say why do we have to expose this what about every other life what about blue lives you know I hope that's making sense let me know if what I'm saying is making sense if it's landing give me a whatever I know I'm getting you to think and it's there's a lot of guilt your first step is to allow yourself to feel the shame it's shameful I hate the fact that I have made those jokes before <laughs> and the fact that you know I'm with a group of friends now and we're all different cultures and we actually call each other by our racist names you know what I mean I don't have a story of racism anymore like my nickname is terrorist for God's sakes in my in my fraternity it was terrorist as a Persian oh that's racist yeah sometimes they'll call me sand nigger right I'll, I'll be called that right and it's like just just the word is like so powerful because of the amount of pain that's associated with it so the your goal is to be understanding first of yourself and where your racist ideals have come from they didn't start with you so you can go easy on yourself you racist bastard <laughs> that's okay that that's where it came from it's okay to look at it it's okay to acknowledge it and it's okay to go yeah I I was I want to do better that would be the first step to moving towards anti-racism not to deny it actually works the opposite you become anti-racist by first acknowledging your racistness your racist biases that that's how we do it and nobody's talking like that by the way you'll look nobody's actually having this conversation
you know my I'm having it for you because you're probably you're white if you're in my demographic if you're not yo high five person of color way to go that's number one point that I wanted to make number two point that I wrote down so is that whole all lives matter number two point is I just read this in this community and I had a physiological reaction and I was like oh and then I realized look it's probably from ignorance and so I'm gonna give you an opportunity to learn uh, because if you don't get this what will happen is you'll say something and you won't mean it to be racist because quote unquote you have many race you have many black friends so you can't be racist and when you say this it shows a deep lack of empathy because we're not dealing with the real issue and here's the real issue Candace Owens who's a, a black um, member I, I believe Congress I'm not sure her position but she's in the uh, government government official uh, and she is a conservative and said why are we making I have a, I, 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 I don't you know it was wrong what happened but nobody it should never have happened but let's let's slow down before we make um, George Floyd a martyr okay he was a terrible guy he was high on drugs and he had a big rap sheet like this of crimes that he did for people so let's slow down what I am opposed to making him a martyr first and foremost when you say that what happens is it invalidates the actual cause of the dis uh, of the uprising the cause of the uprising is not about George Floyd it's about the years the non-stop years of time after time of black people dying in a system that's not uh, that's not just it's system that's not just systemic injustice period systemic injustice of murder for people who just maybe in George Floyd's case fine if he was counterfeit whatever he had okay great great get him in front of a judge and get him to prison for whatever he did but not murder when he's begging for his mama and when you turn around and talk about all of the crimes he did in his past you're invalidating the wrongness of the murder even if you give it a disclaimer and goes it should never have happened but the second you say but you've invalidated what you just said and that comes off extremely insensitive to somebody who's not arguing about specifically George Floyd he's not the main issue he's just a symbol rest in peace George Floyd I cannot breathe and here's the other part a martyr is somebody who dies because of their beliefs it's not a saint somebody it doesn't mean saint doesn't mean he was a saint it means he was died because of his beliefs in this case in this case George Floyd's belief that he died died for was the belief that he died for was I have the right to breathe no matter what I've done 
if I've done a crime, I should still be able to breathe. That was his belief. And guess what? He died for his beliefs. So therefore, he is a fucking martyr. I'm not saying he's a saint. I have a pregnant wife, and I found out when I read, when Candace Owens read his rap sheet, that he went in and he was convicted because he held a gunpoint, a, a, a gun to a pregnant woman's belly. Immediately I thought of somebody doing that to Diana. Okay? Immediately I was like, whoa, that motherfucker needs to die. If he was in front of me, I would want to retaliate and revenge just from where I'm standing. Yet still, he, still he did that. He he didn't he didn't kill, but he basically that was one of the things that he did. Okay, great. He was a he was a criminal. He was a criminal. He had a criminal record, and he might have even been high when they called the cops on him. Fair enough. So, when you bring that up, it sounds like it's a justification even though you don't think it's a justification, it's a justification that he shouldn't have been murdered, that, that it's okay that he was murdered. What? Here's the question that I in invite you to have. If that person was white and they had a rap sheet, would there be an uprising? Would, 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 would it be okay for people to protest that? Would that be okay to protest and to, you know, kind of not glorify but glorify you know edify him for dying for the belief that he has the right to fucking breathe so please I'm gonna encourage you from the bottom of my heart because I actually care about you and I want you to I want you to really approach this with the most open-hearted empathy as possible and the way that you do that is to make sense of people's behaviors <laughs> That's why I'm making sense of your ignorance about this, if you happen to say that. Please, 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 please think twice before you say, yeah, but don't, mar don't martyr. He's not a martyr. We shouldn't glorify him. Yes, we should actually glorify the fact that this man died because of the color of his skin. Because if he was a white guy... He's actually a symbol of the fucking fucked up system. Didn't deserve to die for a counterfeit or whatever. So it was it was a murder. It was a murder. And he wasn't he wasn't committing a crime in that moment that was worthy of murder. Let's say he shot a policeman. And then another po and killed a policeman. Another policeman shoots him and kills him. They wouldn't be edifying George Floyd because he deserved to die. He killed somebody else. But he never murdered anybody. So that is martyrdom. Please check yourself. Please, out of love, if you are going to use that as a defense because that's what it sounds like. Please. Empathy. Empathy. Something like, you know what? I read about what he did as a criminal. And still, that was no excuse to murder someone.
even though he didn't live the most pious, holy life. And by the way, here's the last little bit I wanted to give you as a gift. The conversation, the conversation about um, black on black crime. This is the last little point. Is that what about what about black um, uh, abortions? What about all the abortions? Okay. Or what about black on black crime? Nobody talks about that. I just want you to get something. Let me rewind. When I am a child and I'm constantly beaten down, like systemically, from one generation after another, and I was told that I'm worthless to actually eat at the same table and drink at the same fountain because I'm a worthless piece of shit, I'm below the animals, then I'm going to start to believe less about myself and my race. I'm going to start to believe it. That's how deep the systemic trauma can be for, for black people, right? And so you end up actually hating yourself. I know that's how I felt when I came to from Iran to, to Canada. I hated myself because I would see every everything talked about about Persians, about Iranians it was horrible. I hated myself. I put myself in the uh, in the shoes of black uh, of young black people, of black people through through um, in America, what they've systemically had to face. I would absolutely hate myself, and if I hate myself, I would hate others like me, and in that case, I would be more likely to murder those that were like me because I hate myself so much. So black on black crime is one of the symptoms I just saw, I just kind of processed it and realized. Black on black crime is one of the symptoms of this systemic racism that creates the self-loathing. So then when they kill themselves, they kill each other, you turn around and say, oh, black on black crime, why are you guys doing it? It's not okay for us white people to kill you? When you black, what about black people? Black on black crime. White people can't. Why, why does this have to be a race issue? Black people kill pe black people. So white, white people do. So You've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Become, becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience. And a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. What? I urge you to think again. I urge you to think again.
and see black on black crime not as a justification for white people to kill black people but more as a symptom of the systemic racism that's been happening for so many years that young black folk hate themselves so much and hate each other so much and have in such a dysregulated state as a people and take ownership of your part at your race's part in creating that that would be a great place to start not full responsibility because black people when they got to heal they got to take their own fucking responsibility too they're not outside of the laws of the universe that's their work to do okay that's your work to do if you're really suffering with this with this thing we we all have our own work to do and yours is really traumatic and so i'm here to listen not tell you what to do not judge you for the way that you're expressing your anger not tell you that you should do it this way or come to do this or join my program and then you're gonna fucking figure it out not when not until you're fucking ready to actually go no 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 i want to do something meaningful with this pain i want to take this pain and i'm tired of carrying it i'm tired of have holding this burden of pain and i'm ready to transmute this pain into purpose that's the people that are ready but until then i'm just fucking listening i'm i'm listening i'm just listening and i suggest you and i'm saying this i hope you get how much i care about you that you're here any color that you are white this message is specific, specifically for you as a white individual because you're probably fucking confused you don't want to say the wrong thing you want to make sure that you support but you don't try to scream you know what's the word again <laughs> virtue si virtue signaling is my new word i gotta write that word down virtue signaling i just literally learned what that is virtue signaling social distancing these this new language i'm learning virtue i'm gonna write it down signaling yeah look that up look up virtue signaling okay google it you don't want to show up virtue signaling because we can fucking tell we can tell when you're virtue signaling because it feels empty but you want to get real you got to go and own your little fucking racist selves you got to embody and feel the shame of all of your racism in your life feel the shame of listening to your dad talk about the n-word and what you're you know feel the shame of it feel the shame of of how you made fun of other people because of the color of their skin and hurt somebody feel the shame of that that's where you begin if you really want to contribute because once you feel the shame of that and allow that yourself to feel that because we did this all as a group to get together on our group call it was pretty badass everybody shared it some people were like yeah I, I had racist yeah I said who here has had racist done racist things and then people put their hands up and I was like yeah this is the place this is a safe place for you to admit it you're not gonna be you're not gonna be canceled you're gonna be like understood then we understood why we did that we understood why we did this because it didn't start with us we were just part of a fucking matrix 
of systemic racism and 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 you know Shamila, my Pakistani sister, guaranteed it's also racism and caste systems in the Pakistani culture itself. In the Chinese culture, like, it's in every one of us. It's literally part of the fabric of our society. Okay, good. Let's call it out. Here it is. Me too. <laughs> okay, step one. Now, can you see the innocence of all of us who were raised through this society and once you see that and you no longer it's not a personal thing it's not about you anymore that's the key every time trauma is happening we immediately make it about us once you observe and that's why I call it the overview method you can see my little picture of the earth um, it's actually lit up right now my little picture of the earth um, from the moon when you look from that perspective it breaks you free from the matrix of everybody of all of these systems and you're like oh fuck I'm I was raised in this system I was powerless I, I didn't even start with my parents they were powerless and when you're able to see that and you're like ah okay get I get it okay now once you see that then you're like holy shit we're in this together and we all have a perspective and here was mine and today we got to see that with my community it was beautiful and then um, you get yourself to the point of true empathy for another person's experience. And when you can validate somebody else's experience, you're giving them a gift that's so rare. It's probably the rarest experience for a human to feel validated for their experience. A human being has lived all their lives having their experiences invalidated by caretakers caregivers who are so caught up in their own emotions that they make it about them that they rob you of validate rob you of having your val your experience validated so why don't we start there that's my whole point and it took me a couple of days please go back and watch this from the beginning it is super important to watch this training this training will help you navigate through this entire fucking fiasco with a little bit of dignity and class and love and empathy that's what I want for you because the way that many of you have been approaching it um, and with all the right intentions I believe if you're in this community then you're not a racist you can't really be like an overt racist right you might have some covert little opinions about other races and that's fine I have my opinion on Chinese drivers okay I admit it <laughs> right <laughs> I'm fully racist against Chinese drivers if you're Chinese and you drive you know <laughs> like I can joke about that I can laugh about that right and I, I say it to my you know to, to my like it's not something like it, it's just interwoven in the fabric of our of our being okay <laughs> and uh, or or math all right Chinese math it's like we we have we have racism but then we don't we don't count that we have the like opposite too it's like we we say like amazing things about other races like Chinese people and driving must not be so good but Chinese people in math oh I'm jealous I wish I was so good I wish I was as good at math you know Chinese math okay great you know or how nobody no no black individuals are like uh, are crying 
over the fact that their men are considered well endowed. I don't see any black men protesting that kind of uh, stereotype, right? So I think that once we all acknowledge our racism, then we can be a little bit more humane about it rather than pretending it's not there and then gaslighting. Whenever someone's having an experience, we invalidate them, right? About racial empathy with our children, I just had it with a preteen. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you for being in this conversation. If you're just jumping on, please rewind and start again. Invite as many people, please, as you can into this into the group right now. Think of the people that you know that really need to hear this, especially white people. I want to educate white people so that um, you, can, you can enter this conversation with grace. Grace is something that's needed right now. If you could up-level your grace in this conversation, we can then de-escalate the, the turmoil a lot quicker. Uh, that's what this whole concept of trigger-proof is all about. And becoming trigger-proof doesn't mean trigger-less. It means going into the trigger of your guilt and shame for your racism and owning it and saying, yes, I have it. I'm scared of exposing it. Uh, I'm afraid of hurting people's feelings. This is my history, and this is why I have some of it in me. This is where it comes from. Let's all talk about where our racism comes from. The parts of us that we can't look at, let's look at them. Let's talk about them because it's part of my shadow, part of yours as well. It's time to stop hiding from the shadows and have the conversation. If we do, I think we can help de-escalate emotions and uh, see that we're not very much different. See you at the next perfect time. Let me know what your greatest takeaway was.